Good morning, everyone. Thank you for joining us today, and thank you to all of you who will be joining us or are joining us virtually today. It is great to be with you once again, and I hope that I can bring you a message of hope and joy and even maybe wrestle with some uh, deep questions in our life this morning. Would you pray with me? Holy Spirit, I ask that you would come into this place, that you would fill our hearts, that you would speak to us today, that you would challenge us, convict us, that you would encourage us, that we might see your son and know who he is this morning. Amen. I want to talk about the life of John the Baptist this morning. During Christmas time, we hear about the birth of John the Baptist as part of that Christmas story. If, if you are familiar with it, you'll know that uh, John the Baptist is the son of Elizabeth and the priest Zechariah. And they were too old to have kids, and this is a miracle child that God gave them. And, uh, and we even have the story when uh, Mary, pregnant with Jesus, visits Elizabeth, that John the Baptist leaps um, in her mother's womb, or in his mother's womb, um, as he is filled with the Holy Spirit. And Scripture tells us that John the Baptist um, was filled with the Spirit even within the womb. That he was born, he was a miracle child, born with a purpose. He grew up under the priest Zechariah, knew all the Scriptures, became a prophet, went out into the wilderness... And uh, we know that he, was, he wore camel's hair clothes and he, he ate wild honey and locusts. He was a Nazarite. He wouldn't cut his hair. He was dedicated to God and for the purpose of God. And we know that the purpose of John the Baptist was to prepare the way for the Lord to make straight paths for him. That was his role, the whole reason why he was born the whole reason why he was dedicated. And his role would be um, kind of like the hype man for Jesus, but also back then, the way a, when a king would come through a, a town or an area, there would be a, a herald that would come before and a team that would come before and would fix the roads so that the king could pass through and proclaim the coming of the king. This was the role of John the Baptist, and this is what he did. He preached a message of repentance. He lived out in the wilderness, and then when he would come out from there to the the, um, surrounding area around Jerusalem and, and Galilee, he would preach a message of repentance, calling the nation of Israel, the people of Israel, to repent, to turn back to God, for the reason, the reason why he, that message was so important was so that the people's hearts would be warmed to God and they wouldn't miss the coming Messiah. So that they wouldn't miss the coming Messiah. So he would baptize people in repentance. And as he would baptize people, he would say, I am not the one, but there is one coming who I'm not even unfit to untie the, the sandals of this one. And then one day we have the story where Jesus came and Jesus was baptized right there by John the Baptist. And as Jesus came to him, John proclaimed, Look, behold, this is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And as he baptized Jesus and brought Jesus up out of the Jordan River, we see the clouds part. A dove the Holy Spirit coming down and settling upon Jesus, and we hear God's voice speak. I mean, John, his whole purpose was to prepare the way for Jesus, and then he baptizes him, and he sees the Holy Spirit and the Heavenly Father come all together with the Son. 
Well, what comes next is we find John the Baptist in prison. He's imprisoned most likely in an isolated desert uh, prison in the mountains. He once again finds himself isolated in the wilderness, but this time he is behind bars. And what got him in trouble was he was, uh, as prophets do, they tell the truth. And uh, King Herod at the time had taken his brother's wife as his mistress, and, King, and John the Baptist called him out on that. And uh, Herodias, uh, um, Herod's brother's wife, did not like that, was upset with that, and through the turn of events, basically, um, they got him arrested, and she wanted him killed. And Herod was too afraid to kill him at that point because he had such a a large gathering of of people, of disciples. So that's where we find John the Baptist in this story right here. Where he is imprisoned, he is alone, he is isolated, and things just haven't gone the way he thought they would. And so he sends some of his disciples who are checking on him, and he says, hey, would you go and find Jesus? And would you ask him, are you the one or should we expect another? I mean, this is a huge question that John the Baptist is asking of Jesus. And his disciples have to be a little bit shocked because this whole time he had been uh, talking about, prophesying about the one who was to come. And then everyone saw that one come at Jesus' baptism. And here's John the Baptist second-guessing, doubting, having a crisis of faith. Jesus, are you really the one? Or did I mess up? And should we, should we be looking for another one? Are you not the Messiah? Are you not the Christ? And so he sends his disciples away. And the disciples find Jesus, and they, we don't know how long the disciples are with Jesus, but my guess is it's a, it's a little bit of time. Because the answer um, that, that, or what Jesus does is very fascinating. Jesus just doesn't send them away with an answer. He, just, he doesn't belittle them. He doesn't say yes or no. He just has them sit and, and watch and listen. And Jesus, as he continues his ministry, he heals people. He does miracles. And eventually he says to John's disciples, now I want you to go back to John. And I want you to tell them, or tell him, everything that you've seen and heard. He says, go back and report to John what you hear and what you see. And this is what he says, that the blind receive sight, that the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. And it says, blessed is anyone who does not stumble on my account. This is what you are to go back and to tell John as he is in prison. I want you to think about this answer for a little bit. It's an amazing answer. Jesus, if, if you follow how Jesus treats his disciples, you would expect maybe Jesus to say, John, ye of little faith, how could you doubt how could you question? I mean, you, you've been filled with the Holy Spirit since before you were born. You've been following God. He's been showing you this whole time. Weren't you there? You baptized me. You saw the Holy Spirit. You heard God. How could you doubt? 
ye of little faith. I mean, he, he says that to his disciples all the time, right? But that's not what Jesus says. One, I, I think he knows that John has great faith. John wants to make sure that where he is putting his faith is in the correct place. He doesn't want his, to, John does not want to put his faith into something that is not true, that is not real. And so Jesus says, go back and report to John what you've seen and what you, heard, what you have heard. Now, he doesn't say, go back and tell John, yes, I am the one. Or he doesn't say, no, I'm not the one. He doesn't give a yes or no answer. He says, go back and tell John what you've seen and what you've heard. What have you witnessed here? And then he, he describes a few of those things that he has witnessed. He says, the blind receive sight. You've seen me heal blind people. You've seen lame people walk. You've seen those who have, have been sick and have leprosy be cleansed and be healed. The deaf hear, you, you saw Lazarus rise up from the grave, right? And that the good news was proclaimed to the poor. So John's disciples go back and they tell John. John, when we were with him, these are the amazing things that, it, that we saw. And this is what Jesus said. He said, he wanted you to tell us that the blind receive sight, the lame walk, and those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. And I wonder, as John is sitting there hearing that, and, and just l allow me to take some uh, license here with the story, because we don't know how John re quite received it, but I can picture John when he is hearing these words, he breaks down into tears. And the disciples might not quite be getting it. They're like, we're telling you these amazing things. Why are you, you crying here? And that is because the way that God slash Jesus answered John's question. What Jesus said were, were not just things that happened, but Jesus was quoting scripture. Isaiah in particular and in fact, he was quoting two different places in Isaiah, Isaiah 35 and Isaiah 61. And John, growing up the son of a priest, would know these scriptures inside and out. He would have had them memorized. And so when Jesus would begin to say these, these words, John would immediately know that, the, that Jesus was quoting scripture. So I have Isaiah 35, verses 5 and 6. It says, then the eyes of the blind shall be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then shall the lame man leap like a deer and the tongue of the mute sing for joy. That's just part of it right there. So as John is hearing this, he's hearing the words of the Father answer the deepest struggle of his heart. Again, let's think about why John is asking this question. He wants to be sure that where his faith has been placed is accurate. He wants to make sure that his life's work was not in vain. I mean, that's a serious thing. Here is John in prison, probably going to be executed. He does get executed, spoiler alert. Um, and he wants to know, was all this in vain? Did I do all this? Did I sacrifice all of this for the right thing? And Jesus answers with quoting Isaiah 35. And he hears God's voice speak to him because 
in John's voice in his head as he is hearing the scripture, he would continue that scripture on in verse 35, 8 through 10. It says, And a highway shall be there, and that shall be called the way of holiness. The unclean shall not pass over it. The redeemed shall walk there, and the ransomed of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing. Everlasting joy shall be upon their heads, and they shall obtain gladness and joy and sorrow and and sighing, or and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. I want you to hear this first part. And a highway shall be there, and the redeemed shall walk on it. What was John's mission? To prepare the way of the Lord and to make straight paths for him. To prepare the road, the way of holiness for the one who is holy and coming. The first way that Jesus responded to John the Baptist was saying, your life's work. One, he says, I am he, because these are all prophecies about the Messiah. So the first thing it says, I am the one, and your life's work of building the road, guess what, John, you're going to be walking on it. You did it. Your purpose, all your work, it was for something, and it was for something that would be eternal. So the first thing he says is, John, I am the one. The second thing he says is, and all your work has meaning and purpose. It is not in vain. You prepared the way, the highway of holiness that I walk on and that you will walk on. So that's the first way that he answers them in Isaiah 35. But in Isaiah 61, it says that the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me and the Lord has anointed me to, to bring good news to the poor. And where Jesus says, and I will proclaim good news to the poor, right? So he, he's saying right here that this is me, this is what I'm doing. Isaiah 61 is a, a chapter all about the, the day of the Lord's favor. When the Lord shows up, these are all the good things, awesome things that are going to happen. It has to do with um, the year of Jubilee and all that kind of stuff, but that's a rabbit hole we won't, we won't dive into today. But it says that the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me, and the Lord has appointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to, to comfort the brokenhearted and to proclaim the captives will be released and the prisoners will be freed. Now, Jesus did not say this last part. He just said, and tell John that I am proclaiming the good news to the poor. And John, in his head, as he continues out the scriptures that he knows so well, and he knows that he, there, he will be comforting the brokenhearted, which is who John is right now, and that the captives will be released and the prisoners will be freed, and don't you think that gives John hope? And I don't think John would have, would have connected that as like, oh, he's going to free me out of prison, but he knows that he is going to be freed. He goes on to says, He has sent me to tell those who mourn that the time of the Lord's favor has come. That the time of the Lord's favor has come. Tell those who are mourning that the time of the Lord's favor has come. The disciples are coming back to tell John exactly that. And, that, and to all who mourn in Israel, he will give a crown of beauty for ashes, a joyous blessing instead of mourning, festive praise instead of despair. So as John continues on this scripture in his head, he knows that the one, this Jesus, will give him a crown of beauty for ashes, will turn his mourning into joyous blessing and festive praise instead of despair. And the despair that John felt locked up in that prison, 
isolated and alone, thinking that maybe all this was for naught. Maybe he had led so many people astray. That despair begins to turn into joy. And as John is hearing the response from the disciples and he begins to cry there as he is filling out the scripture in his head. And here Jesus is answering, yes, I am the Messiah. I am the Christ. I am the one. And your life's work was not in vain. And I'm going to take your mourning and your sadness and I'm going to turn it to joy and hope and gladness. And I wonder if his tears begin to turn into laughter as he is hearing God answer his doubt. I love the fact that Jesus just didn't say yes or no. He could have. But how would have John trusted that yes or that no, right? How could he say, Jesus said, yes, I'm the one. How would you know for sure? Here is John stuck in prison where he thought the one who was going to come was going to come and, and free Israel from the Roman oppression. Why is he under Roman um, rule right now? Why is he in prison by the Romans? Why didn't Jesus come and set him free and, and cast out the Romans? And he was asking all these questions, and here Jesus comes, and, and, and he didn't say yes. He spoke in a language that John knew. He spoke the voice of God. And it was God's word piercing John's heart that brought him hope and joy and meaning in the midst of a very dark place. I wonder if John then spoke out loud Isaiah 61.10, where he says, I delight greatly in the Lord. My soul rejoices in my God, for he has clothed me with garments of salvation and arrayed me in a robe of his righteousness as a bridegroom adorns his head like a priest and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. I wonder if at this point John's doubting his questioning, being lost and alone, whether at this moment he turned into praise and worship. I love this. I delight greatly in the Lord and my soul rejoices in my God. In the midst of prison bars, John the Baptist would be worshiping, praising God. Now John the Baptist did end up being beheaded and I won't go into that whole story. And we always call Stephen as the first martyr of, of Christ and I almost wonder actually if it should be John the Baptist. But I don't think John the Baptist went without joy in his heart, without contentment, without peace, knowing that death would not win, that the way of holiness was already there. He was actually instrumental in making it. That even his death has meaning and purpose. John, in the midst of all that he was able to witness through the life of Jesus, through his upbringing, through the Spirit in him, all of that, he questioned, Jesus, are you the one? And I want to invite you all to think about that question. Think about this question. Are you the one, or should we put our hope and our trust and our faith in something else? Are you the one? 
Mankind has been asking this question for, since the very, very, very beginning of time. God, are you real? Are you out there? Is there something more to this life? Or is it just the dirt and the air and the ground and life and death and it all starts over again? Is there something more to this? And then specifically, Jesus, are you the one? Have you asked this question? Jesus, are you the Savior? Are you my Savior? Are you the way to heaven? Or is there another way? Jesus, are you the Prince of Peace? Do you go to when I need peace? Jesus, are you, do you, are you the one to provide me hope? Jesus, are you the way, the truth, and the life? Are you the King and King, King of Kings and Lord of Lords? Jesus, are you the one? Or should I look for another? Think about this question. Because if the answer is no, then Christianity is simply just another worldview out there, another belief system out there, and it's no better or no worse or no right or wrong than anything else. In fact, it'd be wrong. If it's not true, then it's not true, right? If Jesus is not the one, then we should not be here this morning. Right? We shouldn't be here this morning. If Jesus is not the one, if he didn't die and then raise three days later from the grave, then we shouldn't be here. We should go find something else that is true, that, that might be real, that we can put our, attach our hope and our life to, right? I don't know about you, but I have had moments, many moments in my life, where I have asked this question. In fact, the way it, it comes upon me, and it actually happened uh, just uh, a couple weeks ago, and uh, I'll be sitting there just thinking about life or what my day is going, and all, of a sudden, and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, I get this idea, this thought that maybe Jesus isn't who he said he was. Maybe this whole God thing isn't real. And I don't know if you've ever had that time where that, just that thought, that, that questioning, that doubting, whatever you want to call it, comes into play. And I will tell you that when that hits me, it arrests me. Like, I stop and I panic. And I don't know if you've ever had that same experience, but I panic because I wonder, is all of my life's work in vain? Am I following the wrong thing? Have I led hundreds of youth astray? It terrifies me. It terrifies me. And I'm just like John the Baptist. I say, Jesus, are you the one? And I cry out in desperation. Are you the one? Or should I go and look for something else? Am I the only one? And anyone else have that? Where at points in your life, at some point in your life, you've questioned, is this really real? Or should I be looking for something else? And here's the thing. If John the Baptist can have doubt, can have a crisis of faith, I think it's okay that we can. I think that's okay, and I think that's good. And here's the thing. When God answers you, when Jesus responds, which he will, he's not going to look at you and be like, you have little faith. 
What were you thinking? Come on, Michael. I've been with you this whole time. Why are you questioning? Why are you doubting? I will tell you that my doubt doesn't last very long. In these times where I've had this question come up, my doubt doesn't last very long. And this is why. Because I remember when the blind gained sight. I remember how lives have been transformed. I remember how countenances have been changed. I remember how those who lived in fear all of a sudden have courage. I remember witnessing and seeing those who've been imprisoned by addiction or debt have become free. And I look back and I think and I remember about all the times that God, that Jesus showed up and he did those things in the lives of the people around me and in my life. And I have zero doubt that Jesus is the one. And in my moments of panic and terror as I ask that question, all of a sudden peace floods into me and I have assurance and I have confidence and I say, Jesus, you are the one I remember now. And I will tell you, if you have moments of doubt, of questioning like that, I encourage you to remember how Jesus has showed up in your life and in the lives of the people around you. So often in Scripture, we see God command us to remember because we so easily forget. In, fa in fact, our past is often overshadowed or, I'm sorry, our past is often overshadowed by uh, the present-day circumstances, the things that we are going through. The, the voices, the, the shouting of the world often overpowers God's powerful whisper. And he's just sitting there saying, hey, I'm right here. And in times of doubt and of questioning, remember what God has done, that the blind see, the lame Walk, the deaf hear, the sick are healed, the dead are raised. And he is still doing that today. Still doing that today. If Jesus is the one, it changes everything. If Jesus is the one, it changes everything. It means that every point of my life has meaning and purpose and is used to build God's kingdom here. If you are sitting in a very dark place, imprisoned as John was, in sin, in addiction, in debt, if you are stuck in life, if you are alone, whatever, whatever might be going on, I ask you to seek out Jesus and ask, are you the one? Because you will find him. And when you find him, it changes everything. If you are in a place where you are just going through the motions and you feel like, you know, none of this really makes a difference, that I don't feel like I have any meaning or purpose in my life, ask the question, Jesus, are you the one? Because if he is, all of a sudden everything that you do and everything that happens to you has meaning, has purpose. You can have joy in the midst of great sorrow when Jesus is the one. You can have hope in great despair when Jesus is the one. You can have forgiveness 
in the midst of the greatest sin when Jesus is the one. Do you need to ask this question today? Jesus, are you the one or should we look for another? As we close today, I just want to again share from my personal story that when I have those periods of doubt where I question Jesus, is this all real or not? When he answers me, I want you to understand how much joy is filled up into my life. That I am also like John the Baptist and I want to also say I delight greatly in the Lord and my soul rejoices in my God. And I praise him for all the wonderful, amazing things that he has done in my life and that he is doing in the lives of you and in this community. As we close today, let us worship together Jesus, who is the one. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, I ask that you would be with us this morning. That Jesus, I pray that you would answer our question. That that doubt that so, is so crippling and so lonely, Lord, that you would show up. That you would speak to us. That we would know without a shadow of a doubt that you are the one. Because that changes everything. Lord, accept our worship in return. Our joy and our praise is for you. Amen. Amen. Would you stand if you are able?